and I'm Kat, and welcome to the Crime Chat. I am your forensic femme fatale, Natalie Ajol, true crime, had a connoisseur. Two normal girls obsessed with dark crimes, evil minds, and occasionally the unknown. And we've got Squishy and Nuggy here. At, yes. At the at, at the movie theater. So we're we're two normal girls with Squishy and, and Nuggy. That's adorable. <laughs> it's so cute. So here's your disclaimer, chatters. The following Crime Chat contains adult content and descriptions of potentially violent scenarios today, so you're listening discretion is advice you have been warned and before we get in today's crime chat cat what have you done well i'm in a movie theater right now for those of you listening i've got a background because we're talking about a movie versus reality today i'm so excited uh, so i've got squishy and nuggy they're in the audience okay. with us in a little so you know scary theme going on behind me so <laughs> I, got my, I, I set the stage, that if you will. It's so cute. Oh, my God. Those two. <laughs> and they've got a little popcorn that's got a little, little Crime Chat logo on it. It's, it's kind of small. You really can't see it. But they're, they're, they're ready. They're ready for this episode. I just noticed that. That's adorable. <laughs> so what else have you been doing? Uh, I told you last time that we were watching – well, I was binge-watching True Blood. Uh-huh. And I finished that. And, you know, I kind of re-watching it again. There was so much that I, and I mentioned this last time, but there was so much that I didn't remember. And it was good, though. It was good. And I just want to know who her, who her beau is, Sookie's beau is at the end, because they never show him, but they show that she's pregnant. Like after Bill dies. Her name is Sookie. Sookie Stackhouse. She named a clown that. Sookie Stackhouse. <gasps> Sookie Stackhouse. <laughs> yes. Uh, but then since we were, we t- also talked over the last couple episodes about Game of Thrones. So Chris and I started binge watching Game of Thrones again. Ooh, okay. Yeah. What are you up to? Uh, we're at the end of season two, towards the end of season two. Okay. And so I was listening to the Wine and Crime podcast, mm-hmm. listening to the gals, and the last, you know Amanda got married. Yes. Okay. So not this last episode that came out, the one before that, their topic was Red Weddings. So, of course, part of Lucy's intro was talking about the infamous Red Wedding Mm -hmm. from Game of Thrones. And that's in season three. So that's coming up. But because we were talking about it and I'm watching it and then they started talking about it, I was like, this is just weird. (laughs) The Red Wedding. And I didn't know that was actually like in the Urban Dictionary, a Red Wedding. I didn't know that. Where there's like a tragedy surrounding a wedding and or honeymoon. (gasps) Either it's a, a death or some sort of tragedy. So the one Kenyon covered the the Canadian case that you probably remember because I remember seeing this on Forensic Files, mm-hmm. where this lady I want to say her name was Christy or Crystal. She married a guy, but she was also taking dancing lessons, and she got very close to her ballroom dancer teacher. Uh-huh. Well, he ended up having a relationship with her now husband. And then she ended up dying mysteriously, and the cabin burnt down. Uh-huh. Do you uh, do you remember that one at all? No, I can't remember exactly. I think his name, the husband's name, was Jack. The dancer, he was from Italy, so he's an Italian immigrant. His name was Ronald. Was this the one with the cabin? Yes. Okay, I do remember. Yeah. So the cabin burnt down. Jack was inside the cabin. He ended up getting like some sort of head injury, mm-hmm. and she didn't die from the fire or smoke inhalation. She died from drowning in nine inches of water about a hundred feet outside of the cabin yeah that's suspicious it was the whole thing was like once i because it's been a while since i had heard or or like listened to that story Uh there's a lot of things that was like super suspicious so so talked about that and then amanda mentioned a story where 
this is something that I, I had no idea about, but you might know because it happens in New York City. There's a lady named Gail, and I can't remember her last name. She was involved. She was a Dominican immigrant, and she was involved with another man who was a um, also a Dominican immigrant, but he was a very prominent businessman in New York City. Mm-hmm. I can't think of his name. Uh, Austino or Austina Garcia, something mm-hmm. like that. Well, he was very jealous, controlling, narcissistic emotionally and physically abusive she ended the relationship met this other guy named i want to say like james something well on her wedding day to this other guy that augustino guy came up um while she was they were taking their pictures like right before the wedding and shot her three times there's a march that happens every year on the anniversary of her death where women in wedding dresses march from her home in New Jersey and then go to the church in New York City where they were supposed to be married. I didn't know that. And that happens every year. Really? Yeah. It was, it was like, oh, wow, okay. There's, But it started, and I, th- I want to say this It happened in 1999, 1998 or 1999. The guy was convicted in either like 2002 or 2003. Mm-hmm. But every year since, well, maybe for like the last 20 years or so, there's been a march just kind of in honor of this lady. Gail. Wow. I didn't know that. I guess that was before I was obsessed with true crime. Because <laughs> <laughs> if I was there today, you know I'd be at that march. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, so that's pretty much uh, what I've been up to. And what about you? I honestly have not turned on the TV this entire week. I've been prepping, and I know I told you last time that I'm searching for a humble abode. And I mm-hmm. found a new home, so Yay! I will be moving there. Actually, the closing date is the 21st of this month. Bam. Very fast. Very fast. Yes. Very fast, <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. In October, I'll be recording, hopefully, from there. If not, I'll be here. <laughs> yeah. But my old studio is now being sold. So (laughs) it's going to be a minute before I have my background back. But I'll make do. That's all right. That's okay. Well, I know we're going to talk about movie versus reality today. But you, so you asked me to do an intro on true crimes that inspired Mm -hmm. movies. Mm -hmm. And the heart-dropping thrillers that we all love are sometimes twisted and eerie enough to think, how the hell could somebody come up with this story, like concoct such a twisted story? Occasionally, these vile and often morally corrupt movies are actually based on true stories. So I found quite a few articles covering this topic, but I'm going to mention 12 of the most iconic movies based on a true story that I got from movieweb.com. Some of the movies you may recognize, some you may not. I didn't recognize all of them. And there was more than that that was listed, but I just pulled out 12 because I'm going to mention another kind of poll after this one. So here we go. 1991, Silence of the Lambs. Hmm. This one-of-a-kind thriller left an impact on many moviegoers. Starring Jodie Foster and Anthony Hopkins, some say this movie inspired the cultural impact of serial killer fascination, specifically with cannibalism. Mm. This movie follows Buffalo Bill, a murderer with a cannibalism fetish who would kidnap women, feed off of them, and then eventually kill them and wear their flesh. While much of the storyline is very similar to the serial killer Ed Gein, It's actually based on an optimistic prisoner who was sentenced to death, bribed a guard to let him escape from prison. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. 
So, well, okay, so here's here's a little crime chat fun fact. When I, after Silence of the Lambs came out, Jodie Foster, uh-huh. like, b- made it big, right? Uh-huh. I can't tell you how many people told me I looked like Jodie Foster. <laughs> You're way, and I was, I was <laughs> way prettier than Jodie Foster. <laughs> well, I think, I mean, I was a teenager then, yeah. so it was like, you know, maybe resembling, I was still maturing. Yeah. But yeah, I was told I looked like Jodie Foster. <laughs> Okay, the second one is the 1960 movie Psycho. Yes. The story surrounds Norman Bates, played by Anthony Perkins, who runs a hotel and was known to have a strange relationship with his mother. While at first Norman seems very timid, he flips a switch after watching his hotel guests and then murdering them, as in the iconic shower scene. This was heavily influenced yet again by Ed Gein, Edgeen's mother abused him and his siblings and forbade them to interact with women. And this was likely the personality trait directors aimed for Norman's character within the movie based on his relationship with his mother. Did you ever watch the TV series Bates Motel? Yes. I was obsessed with that. I loved that. Oh my gosh. Okay, so the next one was also inspired by Ed Gein, the 1974 The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The character Leatherface was not an actual person, even though the plot was seemingly advertised as a true story. Mm. Like, a lot of times when the movie came out, they're like, based on a true story, people thought it was real. But again, the actions of Ed Gein did inspire this film. Mm-hmm. He was a notor- he was notorious for making clothes and accessories out of human skin. Mm-hmm. Nipple belt. Yes. He made a nipple belt. He did. He made lampshades out of human skin. Oh <laughs> Number four, 1986, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. This film was inspired by Henry Lee Lucas and Otis Toole. Henry was known as the Confessions Killer because he confessed to about 600 murders, but he was actually only convicted of 11. Because investigators couldn't rely solely on Henry's confessions, the movie is a mix of both fact and fiction. Michael Rooker plays the lead role as Henry, who went to Chicago, moved in with Otis, and then started to learn the ways of a serial killer. I want to say we spoke about him because he was either in one of your books or maybe my Last Supper book. He might have been in the Last Supper book because I don't know that we've actually talked about um, Henry Lee Lucas. Was it Otis, I think we mentioned? I don't know. That maybe. name just sounds very familiar. Okay. And why yeah. else would I be speaking about these people other than with you? So. <laughs> <laughs> Number five is the 2007 movie Zodiac. Starring Jake Gyllenhaal, Mark Ruffalo, Robert Downey Jr. They all lead the way on solving one of the most fascinated unsolved crimes to date. The movie was dramatized not only from the Zodiac killings in San Francisco from 1968 to 1969, but also there was a novel of the same name written by Robert Ray Smith in 1986 that also inspired the movie. Number six is the 1976 Helter Skelter. By the name alone, you probably can conclude this was based on Charles Manson and his Manson family cult. This television drama gave a psychological peek into how Manson convinced his followers to kill. And somebody got out recently. Didn't you say somebody got out? Yes. Oh, yeah. Leslie Van Houten. Yes. She was one of the Manson family cult members. Yeah. Yeah. The next one is... 1992's To Catch a Killer, focusing on the formidable killer clown. This Uh. movie is based off of John Wayne Gacy and his two sides. 
One was a kind, fun-loving clown in public turned rapist and murderer, and he was responsible for taking the lives of 30 boys. Mm. Number eight is the movie called My Friend Dahmer, and that came out in 2017. That was a really good movie. Ross Lynch stars as Dahmer. It's based on the Milwaukee cannibal himself. This movie is considered one of the best biography-based psychological thrillers made about Jeffrey Dahmer. It is based off of Dahmer's real-life high school friend, John Backdurf, who inspired the movie after he wrote a book by the same name in 2012 called My Friend Dahmer. Number nine is 2003's Monster. Mm. This movie tells the sinister story of Eileen Wernos as she worked her way from being a struggling sex worker to serial killer. The iconic Charlize Theron plays Wernos in the movie who killed seven of her clients between 1989 and 1990. Theron and the movie won multiple Academy Awards based on the depiction of this dramatized serial killer. She didn't look like the same woman. No. She looked like a completely different person. No, I know. It's, it was really hard to tell that it was her in the movie. Uh-huh. Yeah. Fantastic. Number 10 is the 2011 The Snowtown Murders. Between August 1992 and May 1999, three young men named John Justin Bunting, Robert Joe Wagner, and James or Jamie Spiridon Velasquez, they carried out what would be known as the Bodies in Barrels Murders, which included torture and cannibalism. The case is actually one of the most vile incidents ever to be held in South Australian courts, and the movie captures the impact these young men made on Australian history. Wow. I'd never heard of that before. Neither did I. Future crime chat. (laughs) (laughs) Number 11, From Hell. Mm. This 2001 movie was based on the unsolved Jack the Ripper killings that took place in London in in 1888. Johnny Depp plays the chief inspector who is hunting this mysterious murderer. From Hell is based on one of the letters Jack the Ripper allegedly wrote to police indicating that he or she, themselves were sending the letter from hell. In number 12, the epic 1996 original Scream. This iconic horror film started a series of the ghost face genre, wherein the killers wearing ghost face masks were inspired by movies themselves to murder. The original, and best in my opinion, stars Nev Campbell, Drew Barrymore, Courtney Cox, David Arquette, Skeet Ulrich, Jamie Kennedy, Matthew Lillard, just to name a few. The original movie was based off of a murderer, Danny Rowling, who was known as the Gainesville Ripper, a serial killer who murdered five students in 1990. As with the movie, Rowling would place his victims' bodies in provocative positions, targeting young white brunettes with brown eyes. So that's the list of the 12, some of the most iconic incidents that inspired movies or television series. IMDb also had a biographical true crime genre list that was kind of listed in order based on popularity. So here's the top five. 2013, The Wolf of Wall Street, based on based on the true story of Jordan Belfort, from his rise to a wealthy stockbroker living in high life to his fall involving crime, corruption, and the federal government. Have you ever seen that movie? No, I did not. The Wolf of, it's, it's a very good movie. I think it um leonardo dicaprio jonah hill is in it I'm trying to think who else is in it yes it, it was really good 1990 goodfellas comes in at number two the story of henry hill and his life in the mafia covering his relationship with his wife karen and his mob partners jimmy conway and tommy devito <laughs> who is that i don't think i know who that is we've talked about tommy devito before 
Tommy DeVito was in Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons. Oh, that's right. That's and right. he was a good friend of my mother's. It's all coming back to me now. Okay. It's all coming back. <laughs> it's all coming back to me now. Yes, Tommy. So he, he had passed away uh, from COVID complications a couple years ago. But yeah, uh, my mom actually took me before we met Tommy DeVito. She took me to the movie theater, go see Goodfellas with her. Of course, I had to have parental. At this time, I was not, I think 17 was the age for R-rated movies. Is that right? Yeah, I wasn't old enough yet. So I went with my mother. She took me to go see Goodfellas. (laughs) Number three is the 2020 movie called Scam 1992, the Harsh Had Meta story. The rise and fall of Harsh Had Meta, a stockbroker who single-handedly took the stock market to great heights as it's depicted. I had never heard of this. But this was listed as number three most popularity or for most popular on IMDb. Number four is the TV series Narcos. This ran from 2015 to 2017, and it is a chronicled look at the criminal exploits of Colombian drug lord Pablo Escobar, as well as the many other drug kingpins who plagued the country throughout the years. Number five is the 2023 series Love and Death. Two church-going couples enjoy a small-town family life in Texas until somebody picks up an ex. (laughs) We talked about that one before, the Love and Death, because we talked about Candy. Candy was listed as number 17 on this list. That's the same story as Love and Death. Candy had Jessica Biel as the main character. That was the one that you talked about. Yes. And then the Love and Death series that was on, I want to say HBO, that stars Elizabeth Olsen. Okay, that's right. Yep. Also on this list, Monster, which was in the first mm-hmm. part, that was listed at number 23. And then the Dahmer Netflix series was listed at 12 on this IMDb list. So I hope that helps set you up for, you know, crimes that have inspired movies they're out there it's, they're yes. everywhere yes they're everywhere and they've been everywhere for years <laughs> yes they have <laughs> just when you think it's an original idea <laughs> never, it might not it's be never an original idea thank you for that intro that was really good i think i've seen <laughs> the majority of that there are a couple there i didn't know about mm-hmm. scam yeah i've seen narcos that's really good there's a couple on there yeah that i hadn't heard of i hadn't heard of the movie portrait of the henry lee the lucas one portrait of a serial killer I hadn't heard of the Snowtown Murders, the one that was in Australia, which I thought that was like super interesting. In the scam, I hadn't scam nineteen ninety two. I hadn't heard of that one either. Looks like I got a to do list. Yeah, me too. Cat, our crime chat is going to be about the truth crime massacre that inspired the movie Friday the Thirteenth. <gasps> there is a crime behind it. <laughs> Did you know Friday the Thirteenth? Is in October this year. Really? Yeah. Well, my birthday is the 11th and it's on a Wednesday, right. so. Okay. <laughs> you know Friday the 13th. We of all course. grew up with that. Okay. Yeah. Friday the 13th is a popular horror franchise that began its release in 1980. That's when the first movie was released. Mm-hmm. It was written by Victor Miller and directed by Sean Cunningham. The series, as we know, centers around Camp Crystal Lake, and eventual Mm -hmm. killer, Jason Voorhees. Mm -hmm. Tell me if this sounds familiar. Okay. Story begins in 1958 at Camp Crystal Lake, where two camp counselors are brutally murdered by an unseen assailant. Mm. The camp shuts down in the aftermath, and the lake becomes known as Camp Blood. Mm -hmm. I remember the first time when I saw this movie. Well, it's almost October. All the Halloween movies are going to be coming out. All the spooky movies are going to be coming out again. So you got to watch it again. That's right. Fast forward in the movie to 1980, a group of young counselors is determined to reopen the camp. Mm -hmm. 
despite the warnings from locals saying, you know, it's got a dark history. Among the counselors is Annie Phillips. She hears stories about the camp's past and the supposedly curse of Friday the 13th. Mm-hmm. I guess all these killings happen on Friday the 13th originally. Mm-hmm. In the movie, Annie started to notice that there were unsettling events beginning to occur. One by one, the counselors were being stalked and killed by an unseen killer who is revealed to be Pamela Voorhees, mm-hmm. the mother of the boy named Jason, who drowned at Camp Crystal Lake in 1957 due to negligence of the mm-hmm. camp counselors. There's our storyline. Kind of there mm-hmm. it is. This is why mm-hmm. all the murders are taking place. Pamela, driven mad by the loss of her son and blaming the counselors for his death, embarks on a murderous rampage to prevent the camp from ever reopening. She uses various weapons, including a machete, arrows, and other implements to kill counselors, basically. Ooh, there's a machete behind me. Is that a machete or is that like a, a tire iron? Oh, that- it might be a crowbar. <laughs> we know our weapons. <laughs> I think it's a crowbar now that I look at it. We would be terrible killers. Grab the knife. No, cat. that's a lipstick. <laughs> But is it? It might be a stun gun. The final showdown occurs between Pamela and Annie. After the brutal confrontation, Annie manages to decapitate Pamela. Exhausted and traumatized, Annie gets into a canoe to escape across the lake, believing the nightmare is over. However, as morning breaks, Mm -hmm. the deep composing body of young Jason Voorhees emerges from the water and drags her into the lake, setting the stage for the sequels. That's when he's like, he's got the hockey mask on and he's just coming up out right no that's when he was completely like in moss he was a little boy the scene of him reaching over the boat and grabbing her he is completely in like lake moss like algae algae yeah Yeah. the story that inspired friday the 13th is not is not from the u.s this story takes us all the way to finland oh yeah on june 4th 1960 Four teenagers set out to go camping on the beautiful shores of Lake Bottom near the city of Espo. Two 15-year-old girls named Molly and Anya were joined by their two boyfriends who were 18, Seppo and Niles. This was supposed to be an innocent camping trip, fishing, campfires, roasting marshmallows, but... Who would guess there would be horror in the end? Mm. Early the next morning on June 5th, between the hours of 4 a.m. and 6 a.m., police were notified by a jogger that they had found bodies. Mm. Police ended up arriving at the scene around noon. They found Anya and Seppo inside their tents. It appeared Mm -hmm. that the killer had actually cut the ties of the tent and began stabbing and bludgeoning Anya and Seppo through the fabric of the tent. So they cut the tent so it would fall and then he probably saw the outline of the bodies and started stabbing there Uh gotcha molly was found on the top of the tent and was undressed from the waist down even though there weren't any signs of sexual assault Mm -hmm. she had however sustained significant worse injuries compared to the others okay she had been stabbed numerous times even after she died niles was found on the outside of the tent he had multiple injuries including a concussion a fractured jaw and deep knife wounds to the forehead but he was still alive niles stated that he had no memory of what happened but the weapons were never found the police 
police discovered personal items were missing, like clothing and their wallets and also the keys mm-hmm. to the motorcycle that they were using. Mm-hmm. Some of these items were also found a couple of miles away. Okay. Like they found like articles of clothing and stuff like that. Not long thereafter, a group of young boys came forward saying that around 6 a.m. they had been out bird watching and they had seen a blonde man walking away from the campsite where the murders took place. Mm-hmm. So that's the crime. That's basically okay. what happened. Okay. Now, we're going to talk about the suspects because technically this crime is not solved. Really? All right. Okay. Yeah. There were only really three suspects that stood out to the police. The first suspect is Carl Vladimir Gulfstream. He was known to be a nasty man that ran a camp kiosk, and he absolutely hated campers. Find a new job. Sorry. I mean. <laughs> I know, right? He would throw rocks at the children, cat. One of of his neighbors stated while Carl was drunk, he actually also confessed to the murders. Mm. Carl's wife told police that, no, he was sleeping next to her that night. And then he came off the suspect. Was he though? Yeah. I don't know how they conduct investigations in Finland during Mm -hmm. this time. Mm -hmm. Well, then again, this is a long time ago. It was 1960. Yeah. So he came off the suspect list. At the time of the murders, Carl had also been filling in a well in the front of his yard like just days after the murders and a lot of Mm -hmm. people in the area wondered like why is he filling in the well like is he trying to hide murder weapons is he trying to hide Mm. missing evidence the police did search the property and they didn't uncover anything so in 1969 carl would also drown himself at lake bottom Mm. and it was rumored that he had left uh behind a suicide note confessing to the crimes when his wife was on her deathbed she would actually go on to recant her statement that was giving him the alibi okay she stated at the time she was petrified she was scared of him he was a drunk he was mean he was throwing rocks Mm -hmm. at kids And he actually threatened to kill her if she did not tell police that he was not sleeping next to her. So he wasn't home that Mm -hmm. night. Some even stated that they had seen Carl coming back from the scene that day, but were too afraid to report him to police. He was a mean bastard, apparently. But in the end, no DNA ever was recovered from Carl before he left us. Now, the second suspect, Hans Assman. (laughs) Assman. (laughs) (laughs) Who was an alleged... KGB spy and former (sighs) Nazi that lived several miles away from the lake. And on June 6th, Hans would enter the surgical hospital that was like in the local area Mm -hmm. with dirty fingernails. And his clothes had been covered with in like red stains. The hospital staff reported him to be acting very nervous and aggressive at the Mm -hmm. time. The police briefly questioned him and then claimed that he had a solid alibi and was in Germany at the time of the murders. Police didn't take any clothing from him or examined him in any way, Mm -hmm. even though the doctors insisted that the stains were actually blood. Hmm. The doctor said, no, those that's blood stains. And the police were like, oh, didn't see it. (laughs) Hans would also go on to write three books about his connection to the murders. A former detective even managed to connect him to five additional unsolved homicides. Many people believe that Han's political connections are the reasons why he was dismissed as the murderer. Like political connections to Germany? Like Nazi Germany? Like a KGB spy. Uh. So Hans would remain a suspect till till 04 because in 2004 the cold case would be reopened 
with mm-hmm. more advanced technology, along with some new testimony from a woman who claimed to be camping nearby at the time of the murders. Mm-hmm. DNA would lead them to their new suspect mm-hmm. in the case, and that was Niles, because his blood was found. Uh. So on March 2004, Niles would be arrested. Oh. And his trial began on August 4th, 2005. This is pretty recently. Yeah. The prosecution would claim that Niles, in a jealous rage, killed his girlfriend, Molly, and then killed his other two friends. Explaining the severity of their her injuries and why her body was found, one, outside the tent, two, with her pants removed, mm-hmm. and the fact that she was just stabbed repeatedly and repeatedly even after she was dead. Mm-hmm. They also claimed that Niles had gotten into a fist fight with Seppo, which had resulted in his own facial injuries. Remember, he had a broken jaw. Yep. They claimed that Niles had killed the other two teens in an attempt to have no witnesses and then inflicted his own injuries on himself to show that he was attacked. Like stabbing himself in the forehead? Yeah. The new witness would state the group had entered her camp area. I guess the four of them had kind of Mm -hmm. walked past or entered her area where her tents were. And that Niles was behaving very aggressive towards his girlfriend. Defense would claim that Niles had no motives. You know, he could not inflict the type of injuries that they're talking about on himself, which I think Mm. it can. I mean, it's just, it's a head injury. So Niles would go on to be convicted of the murders and sentenced to life. But oh, wow. he only served like a few months before he would win an appeal. And October 7th, 2005, he would be cleared of all charges and released. Hmm. The court stated that the verdict was due to the prosecution's evidence, which was inconclusive. Mm. And that they failed to show a motive. The state of Finland also needed to pay fines for Niles' mental health suffering caused by being forcibly incarcerated. Mm. I totally think he did it. I think other, the other yeah. two guys are... Hans? Yeah. Well, I mean... The KGB guy? I don't know about him, but the first one I could totally see, too. Who was the first guy? Carl. Carl. Carl and his wife. There's the mean guy that throws rocks. Yeah. Then there's Hans. Yeah. So now, even after Niles' acquittal, many would still see him as guilty. However, with Niles being cleared now of all charges, all other suspects are technically Mm -hmm. deceased. The mystery would go on becoming a scary story told around campfires Mm -hmm. on the banks of Lake Bottom. These murders did not occur on Friday the 13th. The Friday the 13th franchise was, in fact, based on these crimes. Okay. There are 12 sequels to Friday the 13th film series. Yes. Did you know that? I, I didn't know there were 12. I knew there were quite a few, but maybe not so much 12. I know there's some, like, with, is it with um, Michael Myers or uh, Freddy Krueger or something? They do, like, a mashup yeah. between the, the movies. Yeah. There was one, like, Jason what was the one? Which is, the, there was a couple. There were, they even, like, do a mashup with, like, Aliens and Predator. <laughs> Oh, and Predators. <laughs> <laughs> but this is just strictly Friday the 13th films. Now, I don't okay. know how many of these you've seen. Well, I think I've only seen technically one. I have a list of all 12. Tell me which ones you've seen. I can tell you right now I've only seen the first one. And then I saw okay. part of uh, the Freddy versus Jason. I think we own Freddy versus Jason. And that's it. Okay. I haven't seen any of the other ones. Okay. So here's the list. So the first one being Friday the 13th. It was released 1980. Mm-hmm. There was Friday the 13th Part 2, which I also saw. That was 1981. Friday the 13th Part 3, 1982, which I think I saw that too. Now that I'm thinking about it, I did see the the, the ones that were done. The first three, I definitely saw. Yeah. Friday the 13th, The Final Chapter, 1984. 
Friday the 13th, A New Beginning, 1985. This is like year after year after yeah. year. I mean, they are just they're like... They're pumping them out. They're pumping them out. They're making these movies every single year. Then there is Friday the 13th, Part 6, Jason Lives, 1986. Friday the 13th, Part 7, The New Blood, 1988. Mm-hmm. Friday the 13th, Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan. I, so I actually, now that I, I think I've seen part of that one, just because I remember it being Manhattan. I didn't even know that was a thing. <laughs> that was in 1989. I didn't even know that was a thing. Um, and then Jason Goes to Hell, The Final Friday, 1993. Jason 10, 2001. Freddy versus Jason, 2003. Mm-hmm. This was the crossover film uh, with the A Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. Yep. Then Friday the 13th, 2009 a reboot of the series so I guess a reboot of the debut film Mm -hmm. bottom line is Jason Voorhees is one of the most iconic and enduring figures in horror movies Mm -hmm. but here are some lesser known facts about Jason Voorhees okay ooh one Jason Voorhees is not the original killer the killer was actually his mother. Mm-hmm. Two, Jason's famous hockey mask, which became his signature look, didn't appear until the third film. Oh. Prior to that, he wore a burlap sack over his head. Then the then the writers got creative. Right. Do you what is that called? The Mandela effect? When you think you saw something or you think something yeah. and you think it to be true. I don't remember the burlap sack. Yeah. I just remember his mask. Yeah. So when that was said, I'm like, wait a minute, I gotta think about that. And yeah, it's a burlap huh. sack. Huh. <laughs> Number three, Jason has been killed and re- resurrected in various ways throughout the series. He has been electrocuted, frozen, blown up, and even sent into space. His ability to come back is a reoccurring theme in the mm-hmm. franchise. As with many thriller franchises. I have a theory here. Uh-huh. And tell me if you if you think it's plausible. Jason is a zombie. Sure. But he's not eating people. He's not eating people. So he's a different type of zombie, but he's not a living creature. Yeah. Number four, Jason is known to have the highest body count of all other killers. And I have the numbers. Here are the stats. Ghostface, he only killed 27 people, and that's with all the movies combined. Then we have Chucky, who only killed 56 people Mm -hmm. in all his movies. Freddy Krueger clocks in at 70 plus kills. Michael Myers, with all the Halloween movies, clocks in at... 165 plus ish kills. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The next one is Pinhead. I love Pinhead. <laughs> 251 kills. And then Jason Voorhees. Over 20,000 kills. To- to- yeah. Seriously. For all, for all 12 movies? For all his movies. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Jason has become a pop culture icon and has made his cameo appearance in various films, TV shows, video games. Mm-hmm. So. Thank you so much, Jason, for all the nightmares you have given me throughout the years. Love you. And this Halloween, I am going to do a uh, Friday 13th binge watch the entire 12 movies. On Friday the 13th. That's going to be a busy day. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Thanks so much for doing that. That was, you know, I didn't know that I was actually, you know, based on a true story. It's interesting how the writers can take an incident and make it so much more uh because we don't want to leave you hanging chatters for more information on this case please check out after that crime chat with only available on patreon and chatters we have one episode left oh yeah the season that's right only one episode and it's a bonus episode Mm -hmm. and you can only get that full bonus episode by becoming a vip chatter on our patreon 
So don't forget to follow us, see what we got going on in all of our socials, Crime Chat with Nat and Kat, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, TikTok, see what we got coming up. Yes, and this time Kat and I are going to be the suspects. Yes, yeah, for our, our season finale. We started the season with named crimes, Natalie and Kathleen, mm. as the victims. Yeah. And we're going to close out this season with Natalie and Kathleen being the suspects. Yes, that's going to be good. That's going to be good. Okay, remember, Crime Chat with Nat and Cat. when you become a chatter to our Patreon, you'll have access to bonus episodes, behind the scenes, bloopers, free merch, and check out some merch in the works. And also, we're going to try to gonna try to name our clown chatters mm. name the clown name the clown we need a name for the clown yeah. give us some ideas Sookie. <laughs> i think the best part about the name Sookie is the way bill used to say it like Sookie. Sookie. <laughs> oh what about Sookie funhouse <gasps> like a funhouse creepy funhouse right. with all the mirrors <laughs> i don't know oh. either way guys You don't want to miss what we got going on. Nope. We'll see you on the next Crime Chat. Bye. Bye, Bye, Nuggie. Bye, Squishy. (laughs) That is so cute.